Hi, everyone. This is Tom from The Great Divide, along with Svein from The Great Divide, and this is not The Great Divide. I want to make this clear up front. If you are looking for an episode related to The Great Divide, you will not find it here, other than the two hosts are here. This is actually, um, believe it or not, this is actually what equates to an infomercial for my new CD, We Were Here. So if that does not interest you in the least, you can turn it off now and rest assured that you will not miss any big country content. Or will you? Maybe you should listen to the whole thing. You never know. But um, as many of you know, I finished my new CD, We Were Here, and making it is the easy part for me, even though it was hard, but it's something that I feel comfortable doing. This is the part that I'm not at all comfortable doing, and that is the promotional part. So I kind of feel silly doing this, but um, Spine has been gracious enough to uh, volunteer to help me out with this, and he's here today, and Spine, I appreciate you being here. It's my pleasure. I wouldn't be here if I didn't like the album, but I guess my job here today is to make you feel less self-conscious about this thing. So if I say my usual insults and upset you, then you forget about that and just, you bastard, and we go on with it. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Yeah, so we, we were hoping for maybe a couple rants from Svein about a couple of songs, but we'll see. I have 12 rants. <laughs> and there are 12 songs, amazing. Yeah, it, it works out. <laughs> no, but look, this isn't going to be a long, belabored episode. Um, I guess my my thought process behind wanting to do this, and uh, again, Svein was fine with it, which I appreciate, is we've got we've got about, what, 1,050 members or almost 1,100 members on the Great Divide page, I guess, something like that? We do. Okay. So I figured, you know, out of those almost 1,100 people, if only 1,100 of them would buy my album, it would be <laughs> fantastic. No, I, I, I just, um, you know, I know you guys are out there, and I would be remiss if I didn't at least take advantage of kind of a little bit of the audience that we've built up to try to promote this thing. And, and when I say promote, I just really want people to listen to it, and, and if they like it, to let me know. And even if you don't like it, let me know. It's, it's good to get the feedback. Um, so that's what the purpose of this is, to maybe play a few clips from, this, from the album, um, Svein is going to help me uh, talk about it a little bit. And you might find it interesting, even if you don't like the, the music, because we'll be talking about kind of, I guess, what it's like to make one of these things and do it all yourself, which is what I did. And we also want to we'll mention as we go on some other people who are making really good big country-inspired music who are members of our list. So that's kind of where yeah. we are here today. That's where we are. I think uh, if people just get to know what this album is get to hear some of it and your thoughts about making it that could be interesting in its own right yeah i want to talk about the significance of the cover photo mm. you, you leased it from the imperial war museum i guess that has nothing to do with emperor palpatine but <laughs> i know you said it was very important for you to use this particular image that you saw it and you knew it was exactly the image you wanted so what does this image represent to you and why this one uh, uh, yeah, I, I wish I could remember the name of the person, um, but I can't at the moment, but there was someone who I actually saw this image on their Facebook, uh, page and it just hit me perfectly. Um, I, I always knew that the album was going to be called We Were Here, but I didn't have any real cover ideas. And to those listening, this is a, this is a photograph taken in World War One of a British soldier uh, in the snow and he's feeding this little kitten and he's got his, his hands up to the kitten's mouth and um i don't know it's just something about that image just really m moved me immediately and i wondered 
is that guy, did he even make it through the war? Did that cat even make it through the war? But for that moment that was captured on film, it was kind mm. of like that really, to me, encapsulated the phrase, we were here. Um, and it just, uh, I, I've always been fascinated by that kind of World War One type of stuff, too. And um, and different war imagery, for some reason, has always been interesting to me, especially old, old stuff, like from our, our Civil War here in America and World War One, and even kind of like the Indian uh, wars that we fought here. It's rare to find pictures of that stuff. So... I've always been fascinated by it, and um, yeah, that that picture just really totally encapsulated to me the phrase "We were here," and I mean that phrase. I guess for the album's sake is is kind of what the album centers around. I guess it's kind of like a almost like a midlife crisis type of album in a way, kind of wondering what your place has been in life, what you've everybody's mm-hmm. desire to kind of leave a mark behind, and. And um, so that kind of uh, pic- that picture just kind of illustrated that really well to me. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I think with that we'll we'll start delving more into the album and the songs. So uh, here we go. The first song on the album, "We Were Here," is incidentally "We Were Here." song the title track i mean you talked about the title and what it means anyway but uh, if you look at it from a song perspective what is about what is it about this song that summarized the album yeah it's kind of like what i was mentioning there it's it's kind of um the, the we were here motif is just kind of this overriding thing that goes throughout the album i guess it's kind of this idea of questioning if you've done enough in your life if you've what you've accomplished in your life and i'm not talking about necessarily material accomplishments or success quote-unquote money or being known by tons of people just just if you've left some kind of a mark behind or or made a difference by being on the planet and whatever that difference might be so i guess that that's kind of the overriding theme of the album and that song is kind of the that's that's kind of the the most obvious encapsulation of that theme i guess it's Mm. it's kind of a lot of the lyrics are kind of similar to other artists I like as far as, I don't mean being equating them, but as far as being kind of dense and abstract. So it's hard to say that it gets exactly about something, but that's <laughs> that's generally the theme of the of the song and what comes through. It, it's I didn't I didn't write the lyrics with that in mind constantly, but I think that's the overall f- emotion coming yeah. through on the song. In in some ways, it, it almost strikes me as a battle song, but it's a good kind of battle song where you almost steal yourself to get rid of negative emotions, negative memories, and old baggage, maybe. Yeah. Th- does that seem accurate to you for what you had in mind? Yeah, it sure does. That's perfect. Mm. That's, that's okay. perfect. It definitely has a lot of that war feel to it, a militaristic type of feel to it in ways, and it's kind of an angry, angry song. <laughs> right. My okay, parents I'm, heard I'm, it recently, and they they ask, why is Tommy screaming? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I bet that's not the first time they asked that. <laughs> But I'm, I'm glad I could decipher at least one song on this album because, like you said, <laughs> the, I mean, it is pretty dense and, and evocative, and uh, I, I like that style, obviously. But that 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 may mean it, it could go a different co- couple of different ways, and yeah. you're not always sure. And I guess that's part of what you're aiming for. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, we have the the kerchival sort of the the great divide here. I'm going to use that pun once, <laughs> where, <laughs> where where you find sort of the songs are very light and shade and on, on this song it starts so gently with wind chimes but also it's a very sketching song once you get into it <laughs> right right and this song was like really one of the hardest ones for me to get right musically i redid it so many times even 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 at the very end after i thought it was done i went back and redid the guitars on it i didn't re- replay them but i tried to get different sounds i just I, I'm, I'm happy with it now but i was really trying to get just like a big almost heavy metal type of sense to it even though it's it's far from a heavy metal type of song but i wanted that to come through in the guitars at least but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's kind of a it's kind of a big layered song which is kind of carries over through most of these yeah you could say it's it's the big and big country (laughs) yes yes there are definitely moments that are probably lawsuit worthy for bruce watson or the Stuart Mm -hmm. adamson estate (laughs) we'll see we'll see that that's excellent. The second song on the album is Flicker. On my way to the ground I was falling. I was falling, I was coming down high. No escape from the trap I was caught in. Someone said I better follow my sword Dripping frowns all covered in shadows Till I saw you smile I find Flicker to be an incredibly touching song personally, and perhaps because I know what it's about, because you told me, and uh, because I've been through the same about how one's life can change when something fantastic, unique, and very special happens, and the moment where you perhaps see proof that this is happening. So maybe, um, I know you shared a story about the song in in certain contexts before, but tell us again the story about this song and about the Flicker and, and, and what it's about. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a song that I wrote um, about the birth of my first son. But I, I, it was just such a... All the cliches that you hear about childbirth, and it, it was just very true. <clears throat> Everything just just was such a such a, a change. And that flicker, I guess, is... Actually, the, the flicker idea came about, um, I think, the, literally the first time I saw him smiling... When he was a, a little baby, and I actually was lucky enough to capture that moment on on a on a photo, and um, it just really changed me. And it, so that kind of that song is really about that moment and about that 
just deep feeling. But I, when I wrote it, I also wanted to be really cognizant of the fact that it, it's. I think it's kind of obvious in, in a lot of ways what it's about. But I also didn't want someone who did not have kids to feel like this w- could not be a song for them. And I, I tried to keep that in mind, too. It's like I know that there are people who either chose not to have kids or can have kids. And so I always feel kind of like um, I, I, I never want to push that in someone's face too much. I also don't want someone to feel like, you know, they could never have mm-hmm. a moment like that in their lives, even if they don't have kids, because they can. And But just for me, this particular song was about that that moment. So I, I, I tried to capture that, but I also tried to be a little bit abstract about it so that hopefully someone who who did not who kids were not a factor in their lives could still maybe uh, get something from it is it's basically just about some kind of moment that just where you realize the beauty of the world and of life and it just kind of changes you you did mention that people should consider this song uh, the single from the album yeah if there was a single from the album um this would be the one i think in fact, I even mm. considered at, at one point starting the album with this song because I really do feel like it's the most listener-friendly song. Um, and I think at times the actual song We Were Here can be maybe hit and miss for some people. But I, I ended up settling on keeping it that way because it worked better thematically. But mm-hmm. um, I, I'll put this second just to make sure that it got in there fast in case someone didn't like We Were Here. Maybe this would get, get them. <laughs> Before they turned it off, they would get the flicker and <laughs> right. perhaps reconsider. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it would be remiss of me not to give kudos to Joni for very sweet and touching backing vocals on this song. And oh, I, yeah. I, I, I guess it must be nice to be married to the ideal backing vocalist. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe I didn't mention that. Um, shame on me. Yeah, she she has such a beautiful voice uh, to me, and uh, she's done stuff in the past, too. In fact, uh, she's got a whole album that she put together a number of years ago that I played on and, and helped her, but she wrote everything on it. When I stare at the distance in your eyes I can see that my dream isn't realized So I whisper my prayers And I wait here until love will melt right through your cool disguise Gonna make you Gonna make you mine Gonna make you mine this time Yeah, she has a beautiful voice and I knew always that I wanted her to sing the bridge part of this and just kind of be a nice little break and so she she did that here and did like three three different harmonizing parts and I think it's a nice part of the song I guess musically it makes sense for her to be there, but also the fact that uh, it's about your son. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, touching that she is on that particular song. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, and even some lyrics in the song reference her too. So it's kind of, mm. it's kind of interesting, as you say, to have everyone involved actually yeah. singing on it as well. <laughs> except, except for the project. sons. Yeah. They didn't sing on it. <laughs> Maybe in the next one. Yeah. Who knows? 
Yeah, I look forward to the Kerchivals, the family album. <laughs> well, my youngest son seems to be mostly into music right now, and he just wrote a song called Kick You in the Penis. So maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll buy that one. Yeah, me too, actually. third song on the album is The Ones Who Love You. And uh, this is, again, one of the, the Kerchival kind of paradigm musically. Uh, because when, the, when that mean guitar line opens the song, I always think, yeah, rock out time. <laughs> and, then it, and then it goes in a different direction and becomes something else. But that's kind of your trademark, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Even, even as far back as uh, Gunny Sack, it kind of always have these little guitar openings and then kind of goes a little bit different direction. So... Mm. Yeah, I guess you, you have so many musical influences, as do I. We listen to all kinds of stuff. So I always wondered, if I wrote music, how would it come out like? Because I have all these things that I would like to touch on. <laughs> and I guess that's exactly what you're doing now. And it comes out like that, kind of happily living side by side in your songs. Yeah, definitely. In fact, a, a number of people have actually said that this, the open of this song sounds like Queen when the, when the harmonizing guitars come in. Okay. And uh, Queen is not like a huge influence for me, but I always loved them and I always kept them in mind. I wasn't thinking about them when I did it, but I can kind of hear that now. Like there's a Brian May type of thing going on there. But yeah, mm. it's, it's a very Celtic-y type of guitar line. And then, um, and then it goes into something a little bit more straightforward and heavy, I guess. Mm. But uh, yeah, this, this was a song that I wrote and recorded completely a few years ago. And... Um, even released, I guess you could say. Um, I redid it completely for this album, but th this was definitely one that was written with Stewart in mind, and mm. I, I that that's kind of who it's addressed to. So it's kind of like if we could only get one more song for the ones who love you, it's kind of almost singing to Stewart and about Stewart. So mm. so this song is is probably one of the more big country sounding songs, unabashedly sounding songs in places and. I guess it makes kind of sense because it was really written it with lyrically with Stuart in mind very much. Yeah, and that's um, we all feel he died too soon, and we can only think of what could have been. I mean, he, his career was far from over, and you could only think of we, we lost more than a man. We lost his music, but primarily we lost the man. Yeah, but I th but th I think everybody would think that the way that uh, just one more, and. Um, as luck would have it, we had hundreds of more songs through all the demos and, yeah. and recordings. Yeah, so we did. We, we can't really complain too much, but uh, this, is a, this is a wonderful tribute and perhaps a little bit more, less sad, shall I say, than the other tribute that we'll talk about in a couple songs' time. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Bells Ring True.
if people want an example of what I will refer to as the Kerchival guitar style, this is such a classical example. And I'm going to repeat something that Mark Brzecki, Big Country's drummer, told you after you played the opening for them, which is that your playing style is very percussive. <laughs> uh, I, I, I definitely agree. At times it is. And you can particularly hear that in the rhythm tracks in the verses here. And uh, I can't offhand think of anyone who quite sounds like that. So maybe that is your thing more than anyone else's. <laughs> and uh, I'll admit that I, I think that is pretty dang cool when I when I hear it. So oh. is that something that you even thought about or it, it comes natural and uh, you just play? Oh, thank you. Uh, I, well, to be honest, I, I, I think a lot of that comes from my real interest in you two years ago because The Edge used to do something where he would like mute the strings and he would play... Um, I'm thinking of even like the breakdown on Sunday Bloody Sunday when he would play a very percussive way mm -hmm. and it would almost sound like uh, snare drums, but he would be like playing it. And it had a percussive, hard, hard sound. And. I remember hearing that and thinking that was really cool and kind of kind of incorporating that into my own style. And then I began to do it while not just muting the strings, but also actually playing stuff, too. Um, yeah, so I guess that's something that just has developed over the years. And uh, I like that, too. I really like playing in that in that way. It's just something um, fun about it and fulfilling. And I think I think probably there's a Pete Townsend influence there as well, because he mm -hmm. acoustically, especially he does a lot of that. That's right. Fast that's little right. flippy stuff, you know. He would he would be one. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, and that's I, I appreciate that. I, I like I really like to play that way. And when I when I played in a band and it was just me and there was no opportunity to overdub stuff, I would play that way a lot more. But um, yeah, this song I guess is kind of like um, more of an almost an alt alt country type of styling, which is another form of music that I really like. It, it's kind of like got some country tinges to it, but it's leans more into a harder edge punkish rocker rockier type of sound so it's, a, it's it doesn't have the <laughs> twang of country yeah it's like a crazy mix of stuff and um mm. yeah so i i'd i'd put this in the track listing at that particular time too to kind of mix things up a little bit cuz i think it's got a different a different type of feel to it than the other ones it's more pretty much just clean guitars and it's got a little little bit of twang to it, but uh, mm -hmm. it kind of ends with a little bit more of the rockier type of side to it. And it's one of the shorter songs too. That's one one thing too that I think I've progressed in. I think I've learned how to edit better when I'm writing songs. And <laughs> most of the songs on this album are under four minutes long, which I'm I'm happy about. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, keep the meat. Yes, and mm. <laughs> keep the meat. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's the next and, uh, album title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be sidetracked, but uh, you, you are very alluring there. Uh, I want to highlight the guitar solo on the song, because uh, while pr probably not the most technically impressive, I really like the way it sounds and the way it's written with just playing a great melody that fits the song. And I know this is something, oh, something we... Um, we have sometimes said the same for certain big country songs. So I, I definitely think that's another throwback to them. And that's when I look for every time in this song.
did you design that thinking of of big country or, or those type of guitar solos actually no but that not thinking specifically of big country in this but i mean that's the approach that i take on any solo that i write and um i i i try not to be someone who just uh plays as fast as they can uh in some ways because i i'm not technically the greatest as far as that kind of thing goes um i can approximate it sometimes but i my favorite solos are always the ones that are really melodic and that you can hum after you've heard them and mm. uh i think for this one i just was just kind of fooling around for a long time coming up with some different ideas and and uh i just kind of came up with that and i ended up a, a part and then i ended up just constructing the whole solo and then of course i can never be happy just with the solo so i had to figure <laughs> out the harmonizing part to the solo <laughs> so i had to harmonize it and uh yeah i really so you, like this solo too actually I, I was real pleased with this yeah so you probably spent as much time on this solo as jack white's does making a whole album <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i think you're right about that <laughs> incredible <laughs> and i also have to give you kudos for that bell sound that sounds pretty awesome on a loud stereo system. oh cool it's, it's it's really boom really <laughs> booming it fills the room so how long did you spend getting exactly the right bell sound that's, because i know you just didn't settle for the first thing that's awesome yeah you're right uh that that's actually um uh an uh, something that i found a sample of a bell actually it's a real bell but i, I just went online and looked for bell sounds and I, like you just say, I've listened to tons of them until I found the right one, and um, that was the one. I, I just, it was, I looked for a church bell. I, I knew I wanted a church bell sound, but I wanted just a singular <laughs> church bell that was really big right. and fat. And uh, at, at one it. point, this, at one point, the song ended with that bell sound too, but I thought that was too, too much, so I took it out of mm-hmm. the end. The next song is Lost Lamb. And obviously, this is the re-recording you talked about from yeah. Greenhorn, your previous album. What made you want to go back and revisit this song? I've always really liked this song a lot. Uh, I just, um, I kind of love the imagery of it, and I like the music a lot. And I just was never happy with the way it sounded on the Greenhorn album. I thought musically it sounded okay, but I, I just never thought my voice sounded good on it. Um, I, I don't consider myself a great singer. And I always struggle with that more than anything else. So I never got it right on that Greenhorn album. And I don't know if it was just the the song was in the wrong key. I, I, didn't re- I remember working so hard on it, even on that one, trying to get it in the right key. And I thought I had it, and then I listened to it and didn't really like the way my voice sounded. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to try to redo it again. And I kind of struggled with it again on this one. But I think I, I, I personally think I improved on it in this one. Um, I think it sounds better. I think the vocals sound better. And... Mm-hmm. I, I did change the key. I can't remember to what, but I, I just was kind of a touching song to me. And my kids really always liked the song. In fact, my one of my kids would actually cry when he would hear this song. Which wow, what? Yeah, like one time he started to cry with the, when the song was being played, and and uh, 
he was relating it. He heard me singing about this lost lamb, and he was relating it to a lost Iron Man action figure that he had recently <laughs> lost. And it's kind of funny, but we were talking about his lost Iron Man, and he heard this song, and he started thinking about his lost Iron Man when he heard this song. <laughs> and I remember it was playing in the car, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw him sitting back in his car seat crying. And I was like, what's the, what's the matter? And he talked about the song, so... I always had a special place in my heart for for that too, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I just I I wanted to try to do better on it, and um, I hmm. I worked really hard to do it. And this is the one with the the big Ebo, yeah, big country ripoff, completely big country ripoff. But it just screamed for an Ebo in there, so I put hmm. it in. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't think anyone minds the Ebo. <laughs> I mean, my my beef with Ebo has always been when it's been used to sugar sweet things and that's not what you do here i think this is this is the type of usage that is is totally gorgeous and and that fits the song oh thanks appreciate yeah, so, it so that one is good and obviously this is the second song about Stuart so far isn't it well you could definitely or it started out that way i guess i you know this song it didn't really start out with Stuart in mind even though i i definitely can see those ideas so i mean i've thought about it over the years that when i listen to it i i do think of him too but believe it or not, this song really didn't start with him in mind. It's it's an old biblical story, um, really, that it came from, where it was like uh, someone who might have had it was something a par- some parable about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and ninety nine of them were safe in his uh, in his care, but one escaped and got lost, and how he would sacrifice everything to find that one and return it home. Even though my religious leanings aren't very much these days, um, I grew up a lot with that, and there's a lot of from it that always stuck with me. And that story was one of them. So I, I, uh, I kind of wrote the song around that idea. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you could certainly, you could certainly fit that in with uh, with Stewart as well. I mean, someone trying to find someone to give them help who's hurting, and the song doesn't really resolve as far as whether that succeeded or not but right it's kind of yeah i just seem to remember that uh this was mentioned back in the day but uh i could be mistaken it, pr- it probably was but it, I, all i can say is you know unless i'm going senile i don't remember <laughs> writing it about Stuart. no but i'm sure i'm sure it came up at some point you know when the, mm. as the lyrics were being written because he clearly does apply to that situation too sure sure Yeah, it is universal in a, a lot of ways. So it could apply to to a lot of things. And uh, I, I must be honest and say that Lost Lamb was not my favorite song on Greenhorn. Uh, it was definitely okay, but I like it a lot on this album. Oh, good. this version, it's definitely an improvement. And also you... Uh, you, you touched on uh, you know getting rid of the fat of songs. This is definitely <laughs> better in that way. I think it was yeah. way too long on Greenhorn. I think it was six and a half minutes yes. or so <laughs> yeah. close to it. So, so that that was uh, that was a bit excessive probably. But here I like it a lot, and um, that's that that's always uh, an accomplishment because once you get in your mind that this is perhaps not your favorite song, to to make someone reconsider that is actually 
a mean feat. That, that's pretty good. Oh, well, thanks. So, uh, so that's, that's the best compliment I can give you there. That's awesome. Thank you. And a lot of the reason that that first version was so long is that there was like two minutes of a thunderstorm at the end. <laughs> I, <remember. laughs> yeah. I thought, I'll end this in an epic way. It'll be this because uh, there was a, a thunderstorm happening when I was recording it. And I just put my microphone out the window and recorded it. And I thought, how epic this will be to have this thunderstorm. And then it just kind of goes on and on. And sure, that's kind of interesting for the first time you hear it. But then the th- Anytime you want to hear it again, you got to listen to that thunderstorm. So, yeah, I cut that out. But I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like the new version. I did a lot of yeah. different things on that one or on this one as far as even the music of it, too. So, Yeah, it, it, it's really a new, really new take, close to being a new song, but obviously it's the same song. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, well done on that one. Thank you. The next one is Lonely Rider. That would be the the last song on side one if this had been an LP. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and it is it has a really striking opening. Heard the night declare my freedom in the silence of the sky. Where the years and the gods and the tears roll by Felt the ache of tethered courage Smell of fire on the wind Scorching earth burning holes that I cannot mend It's to ride with the thing first is that the real bagpipe no that is not a real bagpipe um in fact it's a it, i use i use the pipes twice on this and on this album and both times they are not they are not really real but they're real samples i guess you could say so mm. i i played I, I took a real sample of a bagpipe uh and in this case it's actually a, a yulian pipe i don't know if that's the way you correctly pronounce it but it's it's mm. the irish uh, instrument that's kind of a smaller version of the bagpipe and it's got yeah. a different sound um you probably heard it on like a u2 song tomorrow it's you that pipe is used um so that's what it is but it's it's a sample so i actually played it on a little keyboard and i played the the different parts on the, that's another thing i had to learn by the way was how to use a midi keyboard and how to use <laughs> samples and all this stuff and that took a long time for me to figure out and i'm still not great at it but i can fake it enough so, Probably Jack White could release two albums in the time it took you to figure <laughs> out to play that thing. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'm still learning it. But yeah, like any, anything that sounds like an orchestra or pipes, um, and believe it or not, even the banjo that we'll get, we'll get to later, was sampled. Um, so yeah, I, I just really wanted to, to put that on here. I, I just had an idea of putting some pipes on here, and it's the first time I've ever done that on anything I've recorded in uh, um I th- yeah, I was I was pleased with how it came out. Nice. I I gotta thank Arlen by the way too for this uh, for something on this song Arlen Bartels because I, I sent some of these early songs out to some people just to listen to and get some feedback from. He was one of them, and he suggested that I not have the pipes in every chorus, which I originally did. He suggested that maybe just taking it out of some of the choruses and bringing it back at the end, and that was a great suggestion. And I did that, and I 
I thought that made the song better. So mm. thank you, Arlen. Yeah, and as far as the song itself, uh, I get the sense this is about someone who is refusing to be bound down, going where the road takes him, staying on a high note, feeling free. Beyond that, I really can't say. Am I close? <laughs> yeah, you're very close. So you got the general theme right. Uh, mm-hmm. There's really no way for anyone could, to know exactly what I was thinking of, but I, I used to, I still, and I still do this sometimes, but I used to like have these periods where I would just go out at night uh, where I used to live that was a little more conducive to this because it was a more open place. Mm-hmm. And I would just look up into the sky and, and uh, I've always been fascinated with astronomy and, and that area of science. And I would just look up there and just think, you know, uh, what else, what could be, what else could be out there? I, w- I wish we would finally make contact with the extra extraterrestrials, <laughs> you know, something like yeah. that. And I would just look at, look up at the sky and, and just kind of be aware of how insignificant we were but in a good way i guess you know you get this mm-hmm. you get the feeling that there's just so much more out there that we may yeah. never understand and that's kind of what that i would kind of feel lonely doing that but i would I would also feel like a good sense of loneliness and so that's kind of the way the the idea of lonely rider came about was just that feeling a sense of freedom i guess looking up into the into the black heavens mm. Yeah, interesting. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't see that direction. I <laughs> meant yeah. more outwards than upwards. But uh, th- that's brilliant. Yeah, that's that's great. Oh, thank you. But yeah, you got the general themes right. I mean, it's just kind of <sighs> going against the grain, I guess. Yeah, and it's uh, also a very positive song. I think you have a good mix of positive and more troubled songs, shall I say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, the album isn't dominated by one type. You it, you have a good mix of them. So this would fall in the more positive feel type songs oh great thank you on a different note we go to window units halfway point we have reached it so this would have been track one side two uh window unit is a real grower it has become one of my favorites oh great and uh it illustrates perfectly the point i kind of touched on already as far as how you build up your songs because this song has a very subtle and very touching opening but it builds up and gets to a point where it rocks pretty intensely yet it makes perfect sense it builds naturally it never feels weird so there is often this incredible diversity even within the same song. And that is one of the things that makes this album really interesting listening. So I'm choosing this song to ask you more specifically about, is this something you actively map out or does it just happen? What is the plan? 
yeah, that's that, that is interesting. Uh, the, the song started with that little um, guitar part that's that comes in in the beginning, like did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did and my wife really liked it a lot, and I liked it, and but I I really had a hard time going anywhere from there, and I had that little little riff, and I, I spent a long time, like months, trying to come up with what I thought was a good chorus for that song, and I really wrote the whole thing on an acoustic guitar, and I did kind of have an idea once I finished it that it would build dynamically, like it does, but never I never quite. It was more kind of a, just an outline, I guess, in my head. And as I began to put it together, um, the, the the ideas would come, and it would just kind of be like, that sounds good, and then I would build more on top of it. But, yeah, like initially I, di- I didn't really have the idea to start it with that orchestral opening. It was really going to start with just drums, and then the guitar would come in, and um, mm-hmm. I, that kind of happened by accident. And... Um, yeah, it's it's I I can't say that it's completely mapped out specifically every part, but it was definitely I definitely thought about it as being something that was going to be slow and build to a big crescendo. It's I did notice that some people didn't know what I meant by window unit. I'm curious if you know what I meant by window unit. You have an American wife, so maybe, maybe you know. Do you know? Well, what, I you, I always I paid a special attention to. Um, well, I, I think it's the thing that fastens the window to the frame, isn't that it? Well, it's actually an air conditioner. And in an a, air conditioner. Okay. Yeah. And in in America, we have we we call it a window unit, and it's it's one of those. Um, external air conditioners that it's just like a it's its own unit and you stick it inside of a window frame so if you if you drive through small town america in the summertime especially you'll see tons of these in in houses who don't have central air central air conditioning yeah Um, i've seen plenty of them i never knew what they were called yeah window unit and that Mm. was written when i lived in an apartment and i had this window unit in my apartment and I was having kind of a depressed, depressing time in my life, <laughs> and I remember like looking at that window unit. It was all rusty, and the the window was rusty, and I was just like, "Ugh, you know, <laughs> I got to do something about my life." But uh, the window unit just became like the symbol of of not being happy about your life, and right, and it was all rusty and crappy. <laughs> so that's kind of the the general feel of the song, and yeah, and and. Uh... The line that stood out is, "I see that window unit rusting. It's rusting just like me." So that yeah, that that definitely reflects the the dark place you were at at the time that you told me about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and in keeping okay. with, in keeping with kind of the theme of the album too, it's kind of like that whole point where you wonder, you know, are you are you is your life where you want it to be, mm-hmm. you know, or are you just rusting? So it's it's not the most uplifting song, <laughs> I guess, but. <laughs> No, but it, it, there is something about it, and uh, although it is one of my favorites, it's definitely not the most immediate song. 
Yeah. I think this came from uh, from the rare heat, if, you, if we're going to use the horse racing analogy again, and so just sort of went on the long stretch and came close to, to the front there for me. So cool. this, is a, this is a grower. That's great. And I think, I think most people will, um, will see that in the song uh, more with time. That's great. So that, Thank that, you. That's a, that's a great one. Okay. Appreciate it. Melt away. By the time you get to this song, I'm kind of sensing a lyrical theme on the album, uh, where I see a fair share of songs being about people who are out to get sort of the the, the I person in the songs, trying to get them down, telling lies, <laughs> trying to make you suffer those spells, which is something we'll get to in a couple of songs' time. So there, in a lot of songs, there's someone out to to get the I person here. Is is this coincidental, yeah. or did you plan it that way? I think it's more coincidental, but it's just kind of like, that's kind of, I guess, the for whatever reason, that seems to fuel a lot of the songs that I write lyrically. It's kind of, it's either like hopeful about something or it's just really angry about something or, or somebody. I, I have to say, I didn't have anyone in particular in mind when I wrote the song, but it's it's just kind of, um, I, I guess I've always, and I think a lot of people who listen to to Big Country and who still love music as much as we all still love it, and I think you know, we all seem to feel this way, but just kind of feel like, uh, I've always had kind of an outcast feeling, I guess, when it comes to how I relate to the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess a lot of people like myself wish that certain elements of life were valued more than others and art and, you know, just the way you go about treating other people. And so I guess the song was almost kind of a, just a angry, rant against uh one of those opposite types of people or the kind of people who you just look at and just think you just don't want to be anything like and you don't want to be around that kind of person I guess musically, this kind of one, this kind of one comes back. I guess the closest to my to my metal roots. It's got more of a hard edged, distorted mm. guitars. And I, I'll be honest with you, though, I almost took this song off the album. I, I was I was not happy with this song for a long time, and um, uh -huh. I finally did some tweaking to it musically, and I ended up I ended up liking it at least liking it enough to put on the album. So. Um, mm. But it's, yeah, and it makes sense for it to be a bit more metal with with the angry lyrics, and uh, these things would go hand in hand, I guess. Yeah. So you, you're saying that you write the the music first, usually. So when you have an angry song, we pretty much have the direction. Someone, you're angry at someone, unfocused, not necessarily a specific person, but someone's out to get you, 
and you're going to get them down. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's, and it's not so much that I'm going to have my revenge, but it's just kind of like, that's kind of what melt away means. Just go away. Leave me, leave me alone. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, this song was kind of funny because there's just, there's this screaming, there's a lot of screaming parts in it are really yelling. And we live in a place where, uh, um, the neighbors are very close. So, I, I was so self-conscious. I did everything in my in my house here. So when I got to the vocals, especially for this song, I was just really self-conscious because, number one, I had to wait for the family to be out of the house before I could do it. And number two, <laughs> I, I was because I didn't want to terrify my kids. And number two, I knew that I, I'm, I'm, I sing pretty loud, so I, I was really afraid that neighbors would hear someone screaming and call the police or something or <laughs> think they had insane <laughs> neighbors. So uh, actually what I did for this song is uh, I, I uprooted every piece of equipment that I had. I took it to my place of work, which is in a, in a country-ish area where there's no one around, um, at least within listening distance. And I took it there on a weekend when nobody was in the office. And I, I set my stuff up in front of this big window where I can see um, the, the entryway. So anyone that would come in, happened to be coming in in the weekend, I could see them and I could immediately stop. <laughs> and so I set it up in front of this big window and I did all, all my screaming parts there where I could just scream as loud as I possibly could. And, uh, <laughs> there's a middle section in this song, which is made up of like two or three different of those screams. And mm -hmm. that's, that's how yeah. I recorded this. <laughs> That's an incredible story. I'm sure all of us will enjoy this song a lot more now, knowing that you sang this in full paranoia mode. <laughs> I did. I really did. Like looking, is anyone here? I even went through my office like just to make sure that nobody was there, and I was like, "Hello, anybody here? Anybody here?" And it, it took me a while to work up the nerve to finally do that scream, and and yeah. uh, you know, even... oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. No, oh. it, it 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 came out fine. So I guess that's the that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, wonderful. <laughs> Let me down and threw me to the wolves. All that shall be. You have mentioned Big Country as one of your musical influences, and we definitely hear that on this album. And All That Shall Be is another great track on We Were Here that must make the guys in Big Country smile because uh, there's a lot of them in this particular song, I think. <laughs> yeah, there really is. I think, it, I think it really especially harkens back to their earlier work because it's got that um, just driving floor tom type of beat uh, mm -hmm. that you might hear in some of those earlier demos for some reason as soon as i came up with that drum part i thought about those earlier big country demos and some of the earlier songs uh yeah this is i, I don't really musically definitely it's it's very big country esque yeah. it's got a lot of different parts that immediately harken back to them and 
both rhythmically and guitar wise and, and I, I would actually highlight the the place where the solo would be uh, there isn't a solo there but there's a really haunting midsection oh yeah that makes me think of songs like the storm even though it's not as quiet as the storm but the same haunting feel that you would have on the earlier big country albums I remember thinking at that part, you know, I was trying to figure out, should I play like a regular solo there or what should it be? And, and for whatever reason, I came up with that, that part, which as you say, isn't really a solo. It's, it's more like a, you know, a, another instrumental piece, but mm. it's got a solo kind of quality to it, but it's not a one note type of solo, but right. Yeah. So that, that was, I was thinking a big, as soon as I did that, I was like the big country. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no doubt when you get to that part, all shall come together. That's right. Mm, but, wonderful. And, but like lyrically, I don't even really, I can't even exp- no, tell you what this song is about. It's it's one of those songs that just kind of, <laughs> there is there is some stuff about childbirth, I guess, in this too. When I say the lines, all that shall be is, is coursing through your blood. I was kind of thinking of my kids, but um, the song doesn't really revolve around that either. So it's kind of, it's kind of also, I guess, that whole sense of, trying to gosh see even i mean i'm even fumbling over it's so i don't i don't really know what to say about it it's just a really abstract song lyrically yeah i mean i get the sense of someone looking for the way home or the way back to someone and uh, the lyrics seem to describe the path to get there with some stark dramatics yes I guess. yes definitely and and the the very end section i kind of think uh, when i think of this song i kind of think of window unit a little bit too because they're structured in a similar way where they build to like a really heavy crescendo and um for this song at the end i i just remember i wanted to have this long rambling speaking speak singing part and um i didn't know what that was going to be but it it turned out to be like almost uh an abstract poem of its own that i put in there uh mm-hmm. it kind of starts and then goes through the rest of the song and i i, I like the way that came out and um i think the last line of the song maybe is most indicative of, of the feel of the whole song which is make the monsters fear it's kind of like uh fighting back against the evil forces in life whatever that mm. may be lies dance right upon the ledge of a last chance hold me toward the edge in a lockdown trance trying to find my feet in a hard stance ready for the lance of the black
Someone's here and you know them well Look for the signs only love can tell Someone's here come to see your warm Guard your soul from the gathering storm Hold my light, child, hold my light Let it burn hard through your darkest night Way deep down you can feel its glow Hold my light, child, don't let go Wishing your way Hold my light. Um, the art of balladeering is alive and well. And uh, you haven't made too many ballads in, uh, in your previous efforts. And I guess this is really the only one on this album too. And I think... Um, this is really a touching song, and I think there, there's nothing more profound or meaningful to any parent than just comforting your children and seeing that your presence is making them sleep restfully. And I think you captured that feeling well here. Oh, thanks. Yeah, this song means a lot to me because of that, too. And it's, it's another song about, about centering around uh, having kids. And mm-hmm. I guess in the context of the album, again, it's kind of like thinking want something for your kids to even look back on years from now. As, as far as to let them know how you felt about them and um mm. that's kind of what i was thinking when i wrote this too and and yeah th- this song this song is interesting because it, it was completely done and it was very different than this um no, i mean the music was the same but lyrically and the melody of the lyric and the vocal was was very different and it was done and i just wasn't happy with it i i couldn't put my finger on what it was i didn't, didn't like the way my voice sounded i didn't I didn't like the the feel of it and I was almost ready to accept it as it was but I just couldn't couldn't do it and I ended up trying to record all these different melody lines for the lyrics and I came on something that I thought was good and I did it and then I didn't like that the next day <laughs> and you begin mm-hmm. you begin to think maybe you're just being nuts here and you should just go back to what it was but i finally stumbled on this melody for the verses that i just immediately knew was the right one and uh i, I was just a hundred times happier with the song after i after i finished it this way and actually the the original version i just i made available on um this expanded edition that i have on Bandcamp, which mm-hmm. has like all these demos on it and some instrumental stuff that's older but if you, if you if you have any interest in hearing what it used to sound like you can you can hear it there but i was really happy with with the way it came out and a lot of it too i i rewrote some of the lyrics as well after this very quickly and a lot of that was inspired by after seeing the movie interstellar um which is kind of the one of the lines in there it says someone's here and you know them well that was inspired by the the movie interstellar without giving much of that away it's kind of a an, mm. a, an astronaut goes up into space on this mission and because of the various uh, laws of of relativity and everything, it, it, he's only gone for in his he he only ages maybe uh, a year or so. But when he when he returns, um, his children have actually gotten older than him. And there there's a period where he's he's trying to connect with one of his children, and he's in a black hole. And um, without going too too far, he he does had this he does he is able to connect with his daughter and she senses that he's there and even though he's really in this black hole somewhere and anyway getting too much into the movie but that's kind of what inspired that just uh Mm. someone sensing the presence of of someone who loves them and 
this one really there's no way to separate the whole parenthood thing from it so <laughs> no there isn't and the, the words are probably the most direct on the album yeah so do you find it easier or harder to write more direct stuff um i think harder i think harder i think it's i think the direct stuff is more rare with the stuff that i've written over the years because it, it is harder sometimes i find it just easier to write stream of consciousness types of abstract mm. phrases and things that i might have a feel about what it is but don't know exactly kind of like all that shall be but this one i just really wanted to write something like that for my kids and uh it it, it was it wasn't so hard no i used a sitar uh, thing on this too which i was happy with there's like a i have this uh guitar and it and you can make it sound like all kinds of different instruments and one of the settings is a sitar and so I, was, mm-hmm. I didn't think a sitar would ever work, but I actually was pleased with the way the sitar came out. Hold my light, child, hold my light. Let it burn wild through your darkest night. Way down deep, you can feel me glow. Hold my light, child, don't let go. Hold my light, child, don't let go. Hold my light, child, don't let go. Hold my light, child, Yeah, that that definitely uh, lifts the song a bit when it comes because it's so unexpected. I guess the first time, and the other times it's a really nice touch. Yeah, yeah so thank so that, you. that 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 works wonderfully. I think. Thank you. All right, um, moving on. The next song is Quasimodo. And if I say skids, how do you plead? <laughs> guilty. <laughs> Completely guilty. Especially that opening. It's like right right out of the skids playbook. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's a very direct song. And if you're going to look at the styles of song that you find on this album and even within songs, this is probably the one song that sticks closer to one style throughout. And that is obviously coming from the skids place with a more punkish, straight, direct rock approach. Yeah, definitely. I... I I kind of did this once before I, when I covered the song Winter Sky. I, um, well, I've probably mm-hmm. done it more than once, but I covered the song Winter Sky once, and I wanted to make it sound kind of more like a skids approach to it. And I remember thinking about that when I did when I came up with this song. Um, yeah, and, and this stuff, you know, it's it's nothing that happens with that's too thought out. It's just become the way that I play naturally, too. But I, I can't deny that, obviously, nor would, nor would I want to, that it's completely reminiscent of big country and the skids but when i came Mm -hmm. up with it it's just now it's just naturally the way that i also play so yeah um yeah it's it's definitely one of the harder edge songs on the album 
uh, more of a punky type of feel, I guess. Um, and I, I was real, real happy with the way this song came out. I really liked uh, the the skids feel to it, and um, it's a, it's again another kind of angry song about just about a certain type of person or a certain type of mindset or a certain type of set of beliefs that you're really against. And mm-hmm. for some reason, Quasimodo hit me first as being an interesting song title. And then I kind of built it around that. And then the whole idea of not suffering the bells, because I'm thinking of Quasimodo saying the bells, the bells, you know, when they ring. <laughs> and I, I, right. I even began to wonder, like, is suffer their bells an actual phrase? Is that a thing? And I think, <laughs> I think it is. And I say it enough in the song, so it should be. But uh, yeah, it's just like I'm. I'm. It's just kind of like an anthem of I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to go by your set of rules. And right, I think the one lyric that summarizes the song to me is "If lies are morphine, then just let me hurt." <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that seems to lie at the core. <laughs> and uh, obviously, not taking crap from anyone, and perhaps angrily demanding to hear the truth, even if a lie would have made it easier. So that I think. I think of it in those terms. At least that's what I get from it. I think that's the best way. That's kind of, and a lot, to be honest, without getting into too much um, personal stuff or at the risk of offending anyone, I don't want to offend anyone because it's a personal thing. But a lot of it harkens back to my own like religious journeys over the years because I've always been interested in, in that type of thing. And one of the things that, that, uh, really resonated with me years ago in trying to figure out what I believed about certain religions where was somebody said, uh, it's either, it's either all true or none of it's true. And, or it's either, and, and that, that's maybe too simplistic to think about something, but it, it's like, if one thing is not true, then the whole thing can crumble. So that's kind of what I, the way I always envisioned my own approach to thinking what I thought was true is like, I don't want to believe something that's, or, or, placate myself by believing something that is a lie if something is true but it's more painful i'd rather believe i'd rather know the Mm. truth so that's kind of the approach that i've taken in different things and that's kind of what this thing relates back to yeah and and that net can be cast very wide it can really be about anything yeah exactly yeah so it 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 would work well and also this song has my favorite misheard lyric on the album (laughs) oh great i want to suck on your face That's what I heard first time, and I, and 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 as you know, I didn't have the booklet to begin with. That's so right. I'm sorry booklet, about that. <laughs> but uh, but then, of course, I found out in reality it is suffer those bells. It's not suck on your face. <laughs> but this is an angry uh... love song. <laughs> yeah, it's the vampire song. That, that, the vampire that... song, definitely. Oh man. No, so, so so suffer their bells. It's uh, I've never heard that phrase before, and I I obviously uh, had an inkling of. Of what what you meant with it, and uh, and you've talked about what that phrase means to you, but uh, that's uh, uh, it's it's obviously uh, an important phrase because in the liner notes you also thank all those everywhere who refused to suffer their bells. Yeah, yeah, I did. It, it, maybe that sounds kind of <laughs> pompous. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just I feel an affinity for people who who take that approach to to life. I guess you know who don't who don't just follow something because it's their tradition or because it's something they're used to or because it makes them feel comfortable, but who, who try to find out what's true about something and try to delve deeper. That's kind of how I've tried to approach things. And I, I really appreciate other people who are doing that too. So I guess that's why I made that little dedication because it's kind of, it can be kind of a lonely way to go sometimes. <laughs> 
we have come to the last song on the album. The last song is Papoose. again with a bagpipe song and we know now that this is not an actual bagpipe you play it on your keyboard that you spent months learning how to do it <laughs> that's right uh, i also hear banjo on this song and i guess that is through the emulator you talked about so it's not an actual banjo yeah i, I tried to play the banjo part i actually have a banjo and um mm. i i just am not my fingers aren't adept enough to play the fast picking that i wanted to play on this song i tried to fake it um on the Gunny Sack or on, on the Greenhorn album, there's some banjo in a song called "Pick Up the Flag," and I did play that, but it's really like very, very simplistic banjo. So I, I had a feeling for what I wanted in this song, and I just couldn't do it. So I I ended up getting this. I just searched and I found this program that enables you to sample the banjo, and it. I literally played one key, held it down uh, for the, for the duration, and while while I was holding down one key, you were hearing. <laughs> 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 and if I played Incredible. the next key, it would go to the next chord, and the next key would go to a different pattern. So it, w it was very, very easy. And um, I, I wish I could take credit for that kind of banjo playing, but that's the one string instrument on the album that I really didn't play. Um, hmm. No, but the, the song itself, musically, and uh, I don't know if you'll be offended by this, but I think this is your Hooters moment. And <laughs> no, I'm not offended. I, I, I like them. Yeah, I, I love the Hooters, so I really don't mean that in any derogatory way. But with the banjo the bagpipe sound the the playful playing on this song it just struck me as very hooteresque that's great that's great uh, I, I like the hooters i like a lot of their stuff and i think mm. for me too i was thinking of maybe even the pogues a little bit in this one because yeah you know, they incorporate the banjo and some of those instruments a lot and I, I really do have have an affinity for elements of country music and and not not traditional crappy twangy country <laughs> um that you're or mainstream country but just kind of the old old school type of uh more folky celtic type of country music um from america and from that came from other places too with immigrants mm -hmm. coming here and i i always like that and, and I, I always wanted to incorporate some of those types of instruments like mandolin and stuff like that so so that was the idea for this one and for actually for this song i really wanted this song to be i've always wanted to do a song that was all acoustic instruments mm -hmm. but that was kind of a driving song and um, that's what I did for this one. I want every, everything in this song musically, with the exception of the, of the bagpipes, is um, an acoustic instrument. 
And so uh, I, at one point it had a couple electric guitars in it, but it just didn't, didn't work for me. So I took them out, and I, I wanted to make everything acoustic and just have it be a kind of a driving acoustic song. So that's kind of was musically at least the idea behind this one. Yeah, and it, I think it stands out as that. It, it, um, this is a song that has perhaps less uh, light and shade. It doesn't have the intensity or the the softness of some of the other songs, but it has more like an all-round throwbread feel, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it it has the same uh, it has the same style throughout, and uh, it, it plays within that style. Yeah, and I think that 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 fits well too. It's uh, it all doesn't have to be like go from from zero to a hundred and back again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And probably the the playfulness of the music almost kind of is goes against, I guess, some of the subject matter of the song. I don't. I don't know if they, it probably doesn't even come through, but I, I, I'm interested to what, always interested in what people think of this song uh, from a lyrical standpoint, if they, what, how they view it, you know, it's, cause it's, it, there's really no way for anyone to know the reason it was written, but, uh, it, it, it had a, it has its place on the album for a reason. And it's kind of, it's kind of like the bookend of the whole, I guess, thought process behind the album, you know, starting out with someone questioning things and then ending with, still those types of questions but going back to this papoose idea of like the beginning of life mm. but um yeah actually the the song was believe it or not the song was inspired by uh a miscarriage that i ex- experienced uh that we experienced and um it it's kind of i guess written from that perspective so it's mm. I, I remember at the time wanting to write a song called papoose before the miscarriage actually happened and uh and so after it did i didn't think about it for a long time and then years later i i thought i would would uh would do that to to kind of honor that whole thing so that's sort of where the the idea of the song came from so so my take on on that song probably isn't what you had in mind yourself i'm not sure but uh for me it's about standing next to someone that you look up to and being proud to stand next to them. It's almost like, if not a love song, then an appreciation song. It can be love. It can be something else. I see, I see it as ending on a good note. Yeah, it's, it's meant to. Definitely meant to. It's, it's mm. not meant to be... Uh, and I'll, just, I'll keep the other stuff. I don't care. But it, yeah, it's not meant to be a, a dark song. Um, it's meant to be kind of a, a triumphant song, I guess, in a way. So, mm. No, but it ends well. And as we know, all's well that ends well. Exactly.
So we've been discussing Thomas Kirchival's We Were Here. This is not your first album, obviously. It's, it's actually your fourth. So that's, uh, that's a pretty big accomplishment there, that it, it, you get to the, your fourth album. Uh, and the first one obviously came in 94. That was Valiant. Second one came in 2000, Gun is Ack. Third one came in 2004, Greenhorn. And now here we are in 2015 with We Were Here. So obviously that is an 11-year break since your previous album. So <laughs> I, I just want to ask you, why the long break, and how long has this album really been in progress? I know, that's that's a good question. And actually, you know, the, really there are five albums, because um, the band I was in initially called The Dissidents, we put together an album called Invocation. Oh, and, really? And um, it wasn't heavily released, obviously. There wasn't even the internet around it at the time, but I do have that. It was something that we did on a four-track recorder, and um, it was like 16 songs or something. And so I do have that, too. So in a way, that's another one. But um, you, never, you never told me about that one. I've known you for 20 years, and this really? is the big secret coming out here. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll send that to you. Okay. <laughs> I'll send that to you. It's nothing that I really w- would be incredibly proud of today. But... Um... <laughs> hear you rattling off the year numbers i'm just thinking good grief that's a, that's a long time i said to someone recently it's like i'm just like kate bush except for the success the iconic status the the breasts 
and many other things. And even though it's been 11 years since an actual album has come out, I've been recording music quite a bit during that time. Um, I've recorded a lot of instrumental music that's been used in some things. Some of the songs that are on this album have been recorded before, and initially I was going to just kind of use those um, and and try to put the album together. But as I did it, I realized that I could probably do them better now, so I just redid everything. So, um, but yeah, as far as how long this thing has been under construction, it's probably been you know five or six years, really, with some of the songs probably being about that old. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I guess if if you The way I kind of think about it for me is that we've all probably read interviews with rock stars that we like or rock artists where somebody asks them the question, if you'd never made it, what would you be doing? What job would you have done? And they always say, oh, I might have done this. I might have done that. But I would always still be making music. I would would do it even if it was for free. So really the alternate reality that they're describing there is kind of my literal reality. (laughs) But – I'm li- I'm living proof that that is true that when music means so much to you you still just want to make it. So anyway. Yeah, and uh, and some big guys also use 11 years. We have Kiss taking 11 years between Psycho Circus and Sonic Boom. Oh, oh nice. You're in very good company there. Gosh, that was 11 years. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that was 11 years. So so there you go. <laughs> but uh in some ways this is almost like your first album in the way that the others were released under the dissidents moniker or as this right. so how does how does it feel releasing an album in your own name I, that's kind of the the way i look at it is like almost this is my debut album after all these years it's <laughs> kind of how i like to look at it kind of like wiping the slate clean because as i say i'm i'm so unhappy with some of the aspects of the other ones but yeah i mean i released the first really the only that, that invocation thing was really the only album that i've ever done that had other people um well, that's not completely true, but that had a lot of involvement from other people. That was actually a band thing where I was in a band at the time. We were a three-piece band. The bassist played the bass parts. The drummer played the drum parts, and I played the guitar parts. Um, and then after that, we, we were making another album. And during the process of making that album, we, we broke up. And we were working with this guy who was a, a, a producer of kind of – he was certainly no big-name producer, but he – was somewhat successful, but he was kind of on on a very lower level. I, I kind of experienced what a big country, what Stuart used to talk about experiencing in big country, where someone was trying to reshape everything about what you liked about your music. I mean, he was 
he was kind of controlling everything and he would tell me that my lyrics were too uh, uh were too deep and they needed to be dumbed down and when that's not exactly what he said but that's basically the gist of it and he was controlling the way the guitar was being played and it, it didn't even sound like our band anymore and we ended up breaking up so I was still really into that band and I I decided just to make that album Valiant by myself I went out and hired a drummer and and went into a studio and went into debt <laughs> making this this CD so that was done under the band name The Dissidents, even though there was no band. And then uh, Gunny mm-hmm. Sack, which came a few years later, was me and another drummer, still under the name The Dissidents. I don't know why I was still trying to pretend I was in a band when I wasn't. And then um, released Greenhorn, as you say, under the name Dis, because that's what people were, were calling me on the, the big country uh, pages at the time, or the big country email yeah. list. Um, and I always kind of felt, after the fact, kind of stupid doing that, because I never felt comfortable referring to myself as Dis. So, yeah, to make a long story uh, longer, um, yeah, I just thought, you know, this is dumb. You know, just call, call the name or call the album by my name. And uh, so now <laughs> I finally entered a true solo career. <laughs> yeah, you have. So this didn't work for you the same way that Bono worked for Bono and The Edge worked for The Edge. <laughs> no, it didn't. Maybe <laughs> if I would have said the diss, it might have helped. I don't know. The diss. Yeah, People never knows? understood that. They uh, they were they always thought I was, I was trying to uh, mock something because – Dis means you know some mm-hmm. in slang is to mock something, so people would see that and think, "Dis, what's he trying to make fun of?" And it was just a, <laughs> it was just dumb for me to even try to go by that. But I think the reason I did was that it, the most people who knew the music, just like now when I'm we're talking to the Great Divide fan base, most people who knew the music were big country fans who knew me on the big country email list, and they called me Dis because my email address was Dissident. So somebody yeah. started calling me Dis. I don't even remember who it was, but. Um, I just thought, well, that's a nice little nickname, and I'll just keep it. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, maybe it said something about the potential audience you addressed with that. Yeah, maybe. Versus, versus how this could be uh, applicable to anyone who knows you. Yeah, that's a good or point. We'll, or, or, or we'll get to know you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I really did want to make an album because like you and like a lot of the people who listen to the show, I'm, I'm still very old school about an album. I wanted to make something that you could li- sit and listen to from start to finish and everything felt cohesive. And so mm-hmm. I put a lot of thought into the track order and even kind of the themes with each song. And I mean, I'm going to sound like an old, the old fogey now, but I just, I really think that music has almost become so disposable nowadays. It, it kind of makes me sad. It's, it's just like, it's so easy to find in, in low quality forms and I do it too. So it's not like I'm sitting on a high horse. I mean, I'll go listen to a track on YouTube and or whatever, but it's kind of a shame in a way that for a lot of younger kids, especially younger people, it seems like that's the only way they listen to it. And just one song here, one song there, very rarely in in its highest Mm -hmm. fidelity form. And so I just really wanted to make an album again. That was something you could hear from start to finish. It's got even like a bookend type of thing where it starts out with a certain sound effect. And then the last song kind of comes back to that sound effect. And even though it's done backwards, but um, so that's what I what I try to do is make something that was a cohesive album that I used to love to listen to mm. back, back in the day, back in the days yeah. of my youth. It is an art form. And it's, like you said, it sadly is a lost art form because people don't necessarily appreciate the flow of an album anymore. They only listen to singles. Yeah. Or they mix songs. They, they put like all the songs in some library and they just hit random and play. Right. Exactly. Uh, 
uh, there is an adventurous aspect to that, to putting every song you have in somewhere and you never know what comes up next. Sometimes that's good. But uh, the the flow of an album is something that I always go back to. And uh, th- there are good albums that play really well. And there are albums that play badly because the, the songs don't feel like there is a flow. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's an art form. And uh, definitely I, I see that flow here. Yeah, I mean, and I got. I guess that kind of leads me quickly too. I want to give a special thanks to a few people who really helped me a lot as far as giving mm-hmm. me some good feedback. And these are all members of our page, the Great Divide page, and uh, and they all make music too. Um, and with the exception of uh, of one, maybe, but he certainly could and should. But I want to thank um, Bruce Watson. And Bruce Watson, I'm not I'm not just name dropping Bruce Watson because I think it's cool to name drop Bruce Watson. It's not it's not like he like took the time to listen to all this stuff and where I even would have requested that. But I did send him a couple of songs here and there, and he, he gave me some really great feedback. And uh, a, another guy, especially uh, Jason Allen, who's a member of our page, and Jason is is a great great musician of in his own right. He's really talented. He's got. He does acting stuff. He does uh, all kinds of different artistic stuff and um, visual arts. And he he's just become a really good friend. And he was he really gave me an incredible amount of helpful feedback. And you can check some of his stuff out at jasonallen.co.uk. And then there's a guy named Daniel Mara who's in a band called Echo Park. And he, and he's in a band with a bunch of young guys who I don't think any of them are even twenty years old yet. And um, I had been in contact with him once before, and I thought it'd be interesting to get a younger person's perspective on this. So I sent him a couple early renditions of some of these songs, and he responded back with some really helpful feedback. And um, J.P. Reed is another guy who fronts a band called Metals, and uh, they are a fantastic band. If you haven't bought the Metals album, you really should. Um, definitely hear a big country influence in that, too. Really good stuff. One of my favorite albums of... Uh, couple years ago when it was released and they got something new coming out but he took the time to listen to some stuff and gave me some feedback and uh, arlen bartels gave me some great feedback too as i've already mentioned i do want to thank john govea as well because he he gave me some good help i forgot to mention him before on uh some ideas design wise initially so thank you john for that help too and he's had experience doing that for bruce and some other people so that help was very appreciated so you know all these people really really helped me and uh, I just want to make sure that they get some credit too. And I guess the reason I'm, one of the reasons I'm doing this, even though it feels kind of silly, and if you've made it this far, I appreciate you guys listening to this because I know this is not like listening to something talking about big country or a band that really has meant a lot to you over the years. You know, you probably don't even know much about this music to begin with. But I just want to make it clear that there are other people out there making music inspired by big country, and they're right in our midst. And so. You might be surprised at the quality of it. And there's some good stuff out there, and you don't always have to be signed by a major label or have have that whole thing behind you to produce something that's that's uh, that you enjoy listening to. So, whether you whether you give my stuff a listen or not, um, consider giving some of these other people's music a listen to because there's really I think you hear a lot these days about how rock is dead and music is dead and. It's to me. It's really more like the the business model of it is dead, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but the music is still very much alive and being made. And like uh, Daniel's band Echo Park, when I when I hear some of the stuff they're doing and and think of how young they are, it makes me happy. So it's uh, you know don't don't be afraid to listen to independent music and and give it some support, basically. 
Yeah, definitely. We'll we'll definitely be throwing out these links, and sometimes we do on the Great Divide page. Yeah. So, so please, please check them out. Throw them a like. It, it costs nothing to do that. Yeah. Keep it up and support independent music. It does, and it really means so much to the people involved. I mean, like for me too. It's like my goal here isn't to sell a bunch of copies. It's just when you make when you make something of an artistic nature, you just want people to to hear it and listen to it and and tell you if they like it or not. And, Believe it or not, even even negative feedback, as long as it's not horrible, you know, is is uh, is welcomed and helpful. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's kind of the reason that I wanted to do something like this is just to get people to maybe spark their interest in listening to the music, and that's why you put it out there. So, yeah. All right. So, so this turned out to be much longer than our thirty minutes. But uh, <laughs> if 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 people are still listening, then uh, they are probably interested in the, the final album. And uh, my recommendation is check it out. I think this is Tom's best effort yet, and uh, I think you listen to this for a long time. I think uh, it's worthwhile. And big country fans, especially, will find a lot to to listen to. But I think at some point we we got to stop throwing around big country because this has now become your sound, and this is now really as it says on the cover, a Thomas Kirchival sound. Ah, uh, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I always have the uh, the big country influences there. There's no escaping them, and I don't want to escape them, but I like to think that I kind of process them through my own perspective. Sometimes sometimes it's pretty pretty blatant and obvious. Other times it's more, uh, you know, a little more subtle. But, yeah, like I said, this is just how I do it naturally now. So if you like big country, maybe you'll like this. So give it a listen, and um, I hope you guys did, don't mind that we did this. And uh, I, I really want to thank you, Svein, for doing this with me because this made it so much easier, and I, I really appreciate it because I know it's sure I know it's probably from anyone's perspective it's weird to sit and talk to someone about something that they did and and go on and on about about it, which we've done. <laughs> so I really appreciate mm-hmm. you doing that. Uh, that means a lot to me. I really, really, uh, really appreciate it. So thank you. You're welcome. All right, well, I guess uh, that's the end of this this infomercial. Cue the cheap it applause. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll do that right there. There we go. <laughs> and the uh, and the fake head nods from all the plants in the audience. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you guys for listening to this. If you if you've indeed made it this far, thank you for listening to this. And I I promise I'm not going to be turning the Great Divide page into a promotional tool for my music I, you won't be seeing much more of me talking about it on there but um i think uh, it's good for you to get it out of your system yeah and, ex- exactly uh, and, and if this isn't it then i don't know what is but uh, <laughs> i think it's been fun and we'll do it all again in 11 years when your next album is here exactly 11 years we'll do it again and we'll be back much sooner than that with another great divide podcast so thank you guys if you want to like my page on facebook that's where you'll be seeing most of my updates in the future um, Thomas Kirchival Music is where you will find it and um, just uh, give it a listen and give all these other people a listen and we'll be back with the regular, regularly scheduled programming here very soon so thank you for bearing with me on this personal thing <laughs> and thank you again to Smile for being here and um, we'll be back next time with something completely different alright thanks <clears throat> sorry <laughs> thank, thank you all <laughs> 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 I, was, I was almost drinking, gulping the wrong way there. <laughs>